0: Welcome to Science or Fiction, a podcast by sci-fi author Michael James Sharon. In this program, we'll be discussing science, fiction, and the often-blurred spaces between the two. Here we try to dispel common scientific misconceptions by both Hollywood and the media, even that which is meant to be educational. My background includes a Bachelor of Science and Master of Arts in Physics the experience in both R&D and production. I hope you enjoy these podcasts, and if there are comments or input, please direct them via contact page for my website, michaelsbookcorner.com. I find it ever more amazing the number of ideas we accept without investigation. Such is true not only for the public at large, but for many who should know better. For this installment of Science or Fiction. We'll stick with topics discussed by those popularizing science in the media. As my background is physics and engineering, I spent much of my life believing what the experts were telling us. Growing up with Carl Sagan or watching any program related to cosmology, archaeology, or other subjects outside of my profession, I took their explanations at face value. I hadn't heard Dr. Richard Feynman's quote, Science is a belief in the ignorance of experts. Perhaps the producers of programs touted as educational have very shallow backgrounds in science or washed out of those programs early. Or maybe they feel it is best to dumb down their presentations by only offering one explanation for some phenomenon so as to not confuse the viewers. The most likely possibility is they've accepted widely held notions and don't think to question the status quo. The next time you're enjoying the way the universe works or cosmos Take note of how many alternate theories are presented for any one phenomenon. Much of this installment relates to cosmology, as I've begun asking the most questions there. A few years ago, I was taking in yet another program on black holes. Now, black holes are a very sexy subject, along with dark matter and dark energy. They're mysterious, scary, and fodder for much science fiction. One puzzle concerns what are called supermassive black holes, such as the one thought to be at the center of the Milky Way. Recently, a composite image was released for Sagittarius A-star, the designation for our galaxy's black hole. These black holes have masses millions of times that of our sun. The cosmological models cannot account for such entities accumulating so much mass early in the history of the universe. Though I'm not an astronomer, I came up with my own theory. Out of curiosity, I sent out several emails to physicists specializing in the field, asking for their input. Here's where it gets interesting. I received either no reply to most of my inquiries or abbreviated unsatisfactory responses. I received one enthusiastic response from a popular YouTube astrophysicist who specializes in supermassive black holes. She talked all around the point and never really addressed my theory, which is the following. I proposed that supermassive black holes did not get that way by gobbling up other stars or black holes. That would take too much time. My idea was that in the early hot, energy-dense universe, matter coalesced directly into a black hole per E equals mc squared. Particle and antiparticle pairs constantly emerge from energy in the vacuum my theory is an early universe dense in energy is analogous to regions of super-cold water. The slightest perturbation in the form of a particle or density fluctuation will instantly turn into ice. A similar phase change could create supermass black holes. With my question unanswered as to whether it was even theoretically possible, we had another brief and unsatisfying exchange, and I thought this was the end of it. It was maybe 14 months later at the very end of an episode of how the universe works that i heard my theory postulated as a one-liner at the end of the program the next several topics i believe have alternative solutions or reason to question current thinking each has a possible explanation with respect to the nature of matter and its behavior in the universe We'll begin with the fact that plasma is the most abundant form of matter in the universe cosmologists talk about vast interstellar dust or gas clouds as if their constituents were charge neutral in actual fact most atoms molecules dust asteroids or other bodies in the universe hold an electrical charge exploration of these effects are popularly known as electric universe theory planet star or galaxy formation are explained by gravitational attraction but some new thinking has emerged an astronaut aboard the ISS put together different powdered substances such as sugar coffee creamer etc inside a clear plastic bag and shook the contents immediately after the shaking stopped particles began to clump together gravitational attraction between these particles is extremely low It is surmised that the static attraction was the force bringing them together Likely, this is how planet formation begins. The electrical force between two identical particles with opposite charges is 10 to the 36 times greater than gravity. The sun is constantly emitting charged particles in what is called a solar wind. The earth is protected by a magnetic field. When these particles encounter it, they spiral about magnetic field lines and accumulate near the poles. When charged particles are being accelerated in a magnetic field, They emit synchrotron radiation or photons tangential to the magnetic field. We see this as the northern or southern lights. The same solar wind constantly streaks over the surface of the moon as it has no magnetic field. One of the biggest headaches for astronauts exploring the moon was the incessant dust clinging to equipment and spacesuits. The dust and regolith are highly charged due to the solar wind. And prone to stick to other surfaces just as small bits of paper or thread cling to us from static charge in conjunction with the stellar wind electric universe theory may account for currents between bodies in the solar system these are called birkeland currents they're evident to some degree on earth but more strikingly revealed in recent images for the magnetic poles of jupiter and saturn our sun generates powerful magnetic fields as do these gas giants the poles are thought to be endpoints for streams of current between one body and another. Polar regions of these two planets exhibit highly organized atmospheric currents in the shape of pentagons or hexagons. More importantly, there are alternating counter-rotating flows in the atmosphere. This is indicative of Birkeland currents and Markland convection after the Swedish physicist Garand Markland. Markland convection is the phenomenon whereby currents of positive charge flow opposite to currents of negative charge. These currents flow in alternate counter-rotating coaxial bands in opposite directions. Birkeland currents exhibiting Markland convection are thought to connect stars with planets, stars with other stars, in chains of filaments, solar systems with galaxies, and galaxies with each other, along massive current filaments, thousands of light-years apart. These filaments are apparent as glowing bands twisting about each other, with stars or galaxies glowing periodically along their length. If cosmology would include the properties of plasma into their models, perhaps many mysteries could be solved. Instead, we get kludged theories, fudge factors, and incomprehensible phenomena like dark matter, axions, wimps, and dark energy. First let's consider the formation of solar systems and galaxies. They appear to coalesce at discrete locations along Birkeland current filaments. Current density is periodically concentrated in what is called a Z-pinch. Rather than gravity being the sole force involved in the formation of solar systems, the Z-pinch concentration seems a more likely candidate. Once enough plasma is concentrated, the shorter-range gravitational forces can take over. Similarly, for planets, electrostatic forces would dominate until mass accumulates for gravity to be effective these plasma filaments have three important realms they're ultra bright with high current densities at a z-pinch farther out they do glow with synchrotron radiation and are luminous at different wavelengths according to the elements present finally between these luminous regions the current density is very low or the current is flowing nearly parallel to magnetic field lines this state is dark mode where little or no synchrotron radiation is present. One possibility is that rather than dark matter, it is the vast quantities of non-luminescent plasma accounting for the missing mass in galaxies. Astronomers can only account for what is detectable. Another interesting property of plasma is that it contributes to the redshift for stars or galaxies. Redshift, or the increase in wavelength, is what astronomers use to determine velocity. It is basically the Doppler effect. Dark energy was postulated as the mysterious force causing the universe to expand. Not only do the theorists claim that the universe is expanding, but that expansion is accelerating. It is claimed that space-time itself is stretching. Estimates of velocity with this acceleration factor are used to determine how far a galaxy is from us. Though it is early, the James Webb Telescope operating in the infrared is finding galaxies calculated to be nearly as old as the universe. That's a problem, since it clashes with other calculations for the time it takes just to form a galaxy. There wouldn't be enough time for one to form if they're indeed that old. So could the ever-increasing quantities of plasma between the galaxies be messing with the redshift measurements? That would make them seem that they were much farther from us than we think. The Big Bang, another conjecture, could also be in question. Plasma will refract light as when we look at a stick in a clear glass of water. We know the stick is straight, but refraction makes us think the bottom end is out of place. Refraction by intervening plasma may affect observations in two different ways. The first is parallax. We determine the distances of relatively nearby stars by observing them from opposite points in the Earth's orbit about the Sun. For closer objects, we should be able to triangulate the distance to a star based upon observation angles from Earth. If the starlight is refracted, this angle and the star's distance are in question the second relates to dark matter again the refraction caused by large quantities of plasma in dark mode associated with galaxy clusters may act in the same way as a gravitational lens the distances from some entities have been deduced from observations using gravitational lensing so is the lens effect due to the mass of a cluster or is it altered by a plasma refraction returning to markland convection another interesting property is that elements are separated according to ionization affinity ionization properties for elements like helium or hydrogen are not the same as for heavier elements such as iron and also end up at the outer edges versus the metals at the center the same way rocky planets occur in our solar system those outer edges are also much hotter than at the core as with our sun it has always been a mystery why the sun's corona is so much hotter than the surface we stated that the berkeland currents scale up or down in size along with the associated markland convection these current filaments occur as twisted pairs with mass concentrating between them such as a sun or a galaxy the twisting or spiral nature is likely the generator for spiral arms of a galaxy closer to home if one examines images of the north and south poles of our moon One could see a spiral pattern in the craters there. Perhaps it is only the power of suggestion, but I can see the spirals. Others may differ. Another theory is that many of those craters may not be due to impact, but rather powerful electrical discharges. In the early solar system, the amount of plasma and charged particles was much higher, providing numerous discharge paths. Or perhaps it was greater during the formation of the moon. If electrical discharges are the cause, then they could have occurred in the twisted patterns of Birkeland currents. In examining the tails of comets, the conjecture is that heating from the sun or solar wind is what excites them. What is not generally known is that these tails strongly resemble cathode rays or gas discharges in a vacuum. There are comets exhibiting tails far away from the sun, which would be counter to the notion that tails only grow as they move to the inner solar system. Birkeland currents stretching from the sun to the outer solar system could provide the voltage difference required to generate a comet's tail. Granted, there are many following Electric Universe theory in a more mystical sense. I don't follow it as a New Age philosophy or as an answer to every question. However, much of the science seems sound. Taking a second and third look at tired astronomical conjecture can only be a healthy thing. If we need an example of religion masquerading as science, we need only look at anthropogenic climate change. This is an idea which has no basis whatever, in fact, while demonstrating extensive evidence of fraud. Climate science is what true scientists call meteorology and geology. The extent of pseudoscience and misinformation on this subject from every sector of society is truly staggering. Some of the many fallacies and contradictions are the following. Number one, carbon dioxide is not an issue below 5,000 parts per million for humans. As the basis of the carbon cycle, it is essential for the growth of plants, the synthesis of sugars, amino acids, and the foundation of all life on Earth. Greenhouse growers routinely elevate CO2 levels to 1,200 parts per million. Currently, deserts and grasslands around the globe are getting greener. Number two, Carbon dioxide levels are nowhere near the danger level. The greatest explosion of life on Earth was in the Cambrian. CO2 levels were 15 times higher than they are today. There was no runaway greenhouse effect, though levels were a bit high for human health. In the medieval warming period, trees grew all the way to the Arctic Circle. Number three, sea temperatures determine the solubility of CO2. Colder waters absorb CO2. And warmer waters release it. Temperature drives CO2 levels. CO2 levels do not drive temperature. Number four Animals in Earth's oceans take in CO2 and calcium for their shells, forming limestone as they die. These animals saved Earth from the runaway greenhouse effect suffered by Venus. Coral reefs are part of this cycle. They adapt to sea level as it changes and they grow best for a set distance underwater. Number five, water vapor is the chief greenhouse gas on earth. It is not included in chicken little climate models. Sea level is currently rising, but only at two millimeters per year. This has been the same since the Lincoln administration. Climate models have not made a single accurate prediction in the last 40 years, but the news media and paid scientists continue to push them. Number six, The Earth has gotten colder with higher levels of CO2 and warmer with lower levels of CO2. CO2 was lower in the hottest part of the 20th century, the 1930s and 1940s. The United States and most of the Earth cooled from 1940 into the 1960s and 70s then slowly began to warm. CO2 levels cannot account for either. Climate modelers are altering or ignoring historic records to wipe out The medieval warming period the little ice age and the warmer early 20th century the data does not fit their models or their agenda noaa nasa ipcc and other so-called public entities are changing history to suit their needs number eight the demise of polar ice caps and glaciers has been predicted since the 19th century ice has accumulated during warming periods and receded during colder periods, with none being related to CO2 levels. No one can explain how glaciers advance when CO2 is increasing. Glacial ice cycles are related to ocean currents, not CO2. Number nine, polar bears are thriving no matter what the level of Arctic sea ice is. Polar bears survived the medieval warming period without drowning or starving. Polar bears crossbreed with brown bears adapting to conditions. Damage from forest fires is down by 90% from 1900. Numbers of people killed in natural disasters is also down considerably from that time. Dangerous forest fires are caused mainly by mismanagement and arson, not CO2. Fires are necessary for forest health and ecological balance. And number 10. None of the gloom and doom predictions from James Hansen, Al Gore, or Barack Obama have come to pass. The Maldives are still there, and Obama had nothing to do with stopping the rise of the oceans. In fact, he has two mansions within sight of the ocean. New York City is not underwater. Greta Thunberg's family has been playing this game for three generations. Numerous international climate agreements have been signed in the last 30 years, while CO2 has slowly ratcheted up without harm to anyone. I hope you've enjoyed this program written and presented by author michael james sharon in conjunction with my many science fiction novels please visit the website michaelsbookcorner.com to see what is on offer a complimentary ebook is available for joining the mailing list this podcast is available on most outlets such as spotify apple podcasts audible anchor fm amazon and also on youtube under the playlist Science or Fiction look for the host on Instagram medium.com or Twitter under at classic underscore psi underscore fi thank you